to better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Gail. Our study today is entitled A Financial Secret, Wise Investing in Today's World. It's a very apt um, Bible study the way the world situation is at present. There is one thing certain about our economy. It is uncertain. 50 years ago, Norman Cousins, editor of the Saturday Review, made a very perceptive statement. It was true then, but it's even truer now. We are so busy extending ourselves and increasing the size and ornamentation of our personal kingdom that we have hardly considered that no age in history has had so many loose props under it as our own. We are so busy buying that we have failed to realise there are some more moral screws loose in our society. The foundation is cracking. We might be just investing our money in the wrong places. The Bible presents eternal financial principles that make sense. It reveals financial secrets that most of the world does not know. It encourages us to reevaluate our priorities, to seek the eternal rather than the earthly. God's word leads us to make investments that will pay off in the long run. So Hannah, before we begin this very interesting Bible study, yes. would you open us with prayer? Sure, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are God who has all wisdom. Father, we ask you that as we study this topic of the secret of finance, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be poured upon each one of us and all the listeners. And I pray that you will guide us and teach us, Lord. And thank you, Father, for answering our prayer. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, to begin our study, we're going to look in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 50, verse 10 to 12. What does the Bible say regarding God's ownership of the world? Mm. It says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on the thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Oh, verse 12. If I was hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. So those verses, Hannah, God's repeating, <laughs> the it world is mine. Everything is God's. It belongs to him. Yes. Hannah, would you also read for us Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1? Sure, chapter 24. 
it says, "The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell are therein." Mm. Again, the earth is Lord's. Amen. God is the owner of this world. Is evident from the Holy Scripture. Everything in it rightfully belongs to Him. For well, what right does God have to claim the world as His? What does Isaiah say? The Book of Isaiah, chapter forty, verse twenty-eight, to begin. It says, "Have you not known?" Have you not heard that everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary; His understanding is unsearchable. So His claim there that the world is His says that He's the Creator of the ends of the earth. Yes. Well, what about Isaiah, chapter forty-three and verse one? Hmm. Says, but now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. So we have belonging. We belong to God. To God. He's made that very clear in His Word. Yes. The Bible teaches that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit participated in the process of creation together.、Mm. And Hannah, just to refresh us on those verses, if you would read for us from the Book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter three and verse nine to begin. Sure.、Um. Ephesians three verse nine says, "And to make all, all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ." Amen. So that's telling us, yes, he's at, he's created all things through、yes. Jesus Christ. What about Colossians chapter one, verse fifteen and sixteen? Yes. Colossians chapter one, fifteen and sixteen says, "He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him." Wow! So the earth is his. Yes. He made it. Amen. It belongs to him.、Mm. What other reason does the Bible give that this world belongs to God? I'm going back to Isaiah again. Isaiah chapter forty-three and、uh, verse one. Yes, the verse we read earlier. We yes. Really cool. We can read again. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine.、Mm. So there's a reinforcement there. He formed us, and He's also redeemed us.、Mm. Uh, he created us, and He's redeemed us. We belong to Him、yes. twice. What about First Peter one verse eight? Sure, First Peter, and that's in the New Testament, very close to Revelation. <laughs> yes, 
First Peter chapter 1, 18, 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of the land without blemish and without spot. Praise the Lord. We are not redeemed with anything corruptible, but we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Amen. He truly has a right to us, be yes. by creation and by redemption. Mm. Now, when our Lord created this world, he entrusted it to Adam. God gave Adam dominion over the entire creation. And we read that in Genesis 1 and verse 26. And if you wouldn't mind reading that verse for us. Yeah, it says, then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likenesses. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So at the fall, Adam surrendered his right of dominion when he and Eve sinned. Mm. Lucifer, the fallen angel, usurped the dominion and claimed the lordship of the earth. At the cross, Satan's fate was sealed and complete restoration pledged for this planet. Hannah, if you wouldn't mind reading for us some verses on this particular thought from the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14 to begin it says who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory mm. and first corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 and 20 it says Oh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm, we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Mm. There's one more verse here in John chapter 12. Verse 31 and 32. Yes, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Mm. So with Christ's sacrifice, with his sacrifice on behalf of the entire world, God is the true owner of this world. Yes. Both by creation and redemption, as we have been saying thus far in this study. Everything we have is a gift of his grace. We are stewards of the goods entrusted to us by God. Mm. Well, since God is the owner of the entire world and everything in it, what does the Bible state regarding our responsibility with the goods God has entrusted to us? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. 
Mm. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Just to be faithful, faithful mm. uh, is what God expects of us. And Luke 16, verses 1, 2, and 10. It says, He also said to his disciple, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accession was brought to him that this man was wasting his good. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Wow. Mm. So what God entrusts to us, he wants us to be faithful. faithful. He doesn't want us to waste his it calls it his goods, and he will ask an account mm. of how our faithfulness has mm. been. God entrusts each of us with a portion of his goods to manage. Everything we have is a trust from the king of the universe. God is testing us with earthly possessions to see if we can be entrusted with heavenly riches. Well, Hannah, where do our earthly possessions come from? Who gives the ability and power to get wealth? We go to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 17 and 18 to begin. Sure. It says, Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he saw to your fathers as it is this day. I like this. You shall remember the Lord your God because he who gives you power to get wealth. I love that mm. verse too, Hannah. It's always a remembrance, isn't it? Yes. That even the ability to work and, and to earn money, it's a gift from God. Mm. What about Haggai? Uh, it's a small, called a minor prophet book in the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, it says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Well, that's very clear. <laughs> that's right. It all belongs to him. Mm. How do we acknowledge that God is the owner of all we have? Let's go to the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3 and verses 8 through to 10. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you said, in what way have we robbed you? In tithe and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Wow. So here we can rob God if we're not returning to him tithes and offerings. That's right. And God says that he will 
Bless us. Mm. Prove me now, he says, the Lord of hosts, that he will bless us as we are faithful to him. Mm. And faithfulness returning. Well, what is tithe? How does the Bible describe the tithe? Is it important? Leviticus 27, verse 30 and 32. And that's in the Old Testament. Yes. It says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Hmm. So this passage tells us all the tithe of the land belongs to the Lord. But I love how it also says it is holy to to the the Lord. Lord. It's Mm. very important. Mm. God is holy. The tithe is holy. Yes. Because it belongs to God. Wow. And here it tells us that a tithe represents the tenth Mm. one. One tenth. One tenth. Mm. Yes. So tithe means tenth. And although all our money belongs to God, God. (laughs) the tithe is holy. Holy. It is an acknowledgement of God's ownership. It reveals that we really believe he owns all we have. That's right. If we miss the concept, we may feel like we have to give to God, but it's not because God owns everything from the beginning. We return it because it's holy. Amen, Mm. Hannah. And it belongs to him. Yes. And we receive his blessing in return. Mm. Well, what promise did God give the Israelites who made him first in their giving? And does this promise apply to us today? We go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Wow, what a promise. It is a promise, Mm. a, a wonderful promise. Yes. Yeah, I haven't thought about it, but we can honor the Lord with your possessions. Anything we do, whatever we do, we can do it for the honor and glory for God. Amen. So this first fruits, so God promises that when you give to him, Mm. we can never actually outgive God because the more we give, he promises that your barns will be full and your vats will overflow. Yes, it will be plenty. He will know that we're safe to give because we will give to, we receive to give. Yes, that's right. What man is an outstanding example of faithfulness to God in tithe paying? We go to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 to 22. It says, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And verse 22 22. also. It says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This tenth to you, it's 
talking about tithe. Amen. And right here, Jacob actually didn't have it hardly any possessions. All his possessions were with him. Mm. So he was on his way. He was on a journey to start a new life. Mm. But he's made a vow and a promise to God. He had a good faith as well. And if you were to follow the story through in the book of Genesis, Mm. you'll discover he honored his promise to God Mm. and God did bless him. It's a wonderful story to read. Uh, Yes, I encourage our listeners to read the story of Jacob. Mm. Well, what did Jesus say about tithing in Matthew 23, verse 23? It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and uh, cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Mm. So Jesus, in this discussion, in, in discussing tithe, Jesus said, this ye ought to have done. Mm. But he condemned the Pharisees for neglecting mercy, justice and compassion. Mm. So the tithe is sacred. And although they were tithing on these spices Mm. to show that they were actually quite religious, their hearts had no mercy, no justice, and Mm. lacked compassion. Mm. Heart was not in the right place. Definitely not. But the tithe is definitely sacred to Mm. God. It is set apart for his work and especially the proclamation of the gospel. Amen. Well, how else did God's rebellious people rob him besides in failing to return their tithes? Hannah, I know you read this verse before, but if you wouldn't mind reading Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 again for us. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithe and offerings. So, yes, Offerings as well as tithe, we can rob God Mm. by not returning and giving thank offerings to him. Does God specify an exact amount for our offerings like he does the tithe? Deuteronomy 16 and verse 17. It says, Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. It's very fair. Mm. God never asks us to give what we do not have. That's right. But give as we are able. Mm. Sometimes we may be able to give more. That's right. Sometimes we give, haven't got enough to give. Mm. But God knows so long as we are faithful Faithful. and willing. (laughs) Well, what is the most important thing to God? The amount given or the attitude with which it is given? 2 Corinthians 8.12 to begin. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. Amen, Hannah. That Mm. willing mind is so important. Yes. And what about 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7? 
says, so let each one give as he purpose in his heart, not gradually or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he wants us, yes, yes when it comes from the heart, mm. it's not hard because you you want to you want to give it. That's right. You love to give yes. it. It's not a it's, burden. It's not a burden. It's not an obligation. We delight to give. Amen. God has promised to supply the needs of all who are faithful in returning his tithes and offerings. Now, in Philippians 4.19, God has given us an internal pledge there, Hannah. If you would read that for us from Philippians 4 verse 19. Sure. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful promise. Amen. And we can claim that promise. The needs of God's children are already underwritten by the bank of heaven. Jesus stated in Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Hannah, if you're able to read the words of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33. Sure. It says... Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. That's a promise. promise. Yes. (laughs) What assurance does God give his people who are faithful in their giving? We go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be wa- uh, watered himself. Yes, it's um, um, amazing. When we give more, we will receive more. When we try to hold it for ourselves, actually we will be poor. That's amazing. (laughs) Our Heavenly Father owns the world and takes the responsibility of providing for his children. Mm. Hannah, there's a few more verses we could look at in this wonderful book of Proverbs. And um, perhaps if you could read for us uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 28 as well. Sure, it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a foliage. Mm. So we could try and be secure by our own doing, but the greatest security is always in God. In God. Mm. What about Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 19? It says, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Wow. Mm. Mm. So by accumulating, by, by, by being greedy, mm. will not be blessed. No, it will even make their life harder, probably. 
takes away the life of takes its owner. Takes away the life of its owners. Mm. Very strong words there. What about Proverbs 22 and verse 7? It says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Mm. There's good counsel there not to get into debt, mm. to stay out of debt. Hannah, while we're in Proverbs 22, would you also read for us verses 4 and 5? Sure. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of perverse. Um, he who guards his soul will be far from them. Mm. The real rich or owner, actually, these are humility and fear of the Lord. It's not the... F- money itself but the fear of the Lord. To reverence, respect mm. and know him and worship him. Yes. And have a living relationship with, with him. him. Mm. Amen. What also about Proverbs chapter 6 verses 6 through to 11? It says, Go to the end, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. So God does not want us to be lazy. lazy. <laughs> we can learn from the nature. We can learn from ant. We can from the diligence from them. <laughs> Amen. And ants are very diligent. They all work together. Yes. But our, God will bless us as we are faithful. Mm. Amen. And his blessing far outweighs money and the things of this world. Mm. And God is faithful. Amen. Well, we can thank God. The promise to the faithful steward is certain. Mm. As we uh, finished off before, that God is faithful. And as we consider God's faithfulness today, we may be choosing to make a decision here. And by his grace, I will be faithful in returning his tithe and giving offerings as he prospers me. You may like to consider that as you're listening, being faithful to God. Mm. If you're struggling in your, in your, in your life, mm. faithfulness in all things to God brings blessing. Amen. Well, we've, this has been a wonderful study, Hannah. Yes. And it's been so good to have you with us today, uh, Hannah, and also for those that are listening in. And I'll just close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your faithfulness toward us, that you not only created us, but you came and redeemed us by giving your life for us, the shedding of your precious blood for our redemption and the promise of eternal life. We thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon us every day, fresh air, 
water and food to eat. We thank you, Lord, that you provide for our needs. And as we contemplate being faithful stewards of what you have given us, either financially or in possessions, we pray that we may be guided by your Holy Spirit as we partner with you to receive the true blessing of your holy presence and of that peace that passes all understanding because you are faithful God. We thank you. We can trust you in these times. Thank you, Lord, and bless our listeners today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. God bless you and go in peace. questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, dot org dot au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. For making the sun to shine, putting the stars in the sky, for the flowers that bloom, the ocean so blue. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the sparrow that sings, it makes sweet melody. For the rivers that flow, the rain and the snow, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole, saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for my whole family, for the joys you've given me, for the shoes on my feet, plenty to eat. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, 
For the church where I worship and pray For the freedoms that I have today For your spirit I feel Your presence so real Thank you, Lord Thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord For everything you've done for me Thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord For making me whole Saving my soul Thank you, Lord For being a friend so dear Giving my sad heart cheer For holding my hand when I could not stand Thank you, Lord For giving your life for me On the cross of Calvary For taking my place For mercy and grace Thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord For everything you've done for me Thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord For making me whole Saving my soul, thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Saving my soul, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. That was Michael Lining singing, I just want to thank you. And coming up next, Take the World, But Give Me Jesus by Fountain View Academy. Oh 
Clark family will now sing, Lord, Here's My Basket. A multitude had gathered on a hill near Galilee to hear the words of Jesus and His miracles to see. But as the day wore on, His disciples came to say, There's not enough to feed them, Lord, should we send them away? From a little boy's basket of five barley loaves of bread And with two fish five thousand hungry people would be fed Lord, here's my basket It's not much, I know But take it and use it don't refuse it, maybe it will grow. Although I could keep it, I'll give it to you. So Lord, here's my basket, you don't have to ask, it's the least I can do. basket filled with good although it may not be used exactly as it should so many throw it all away or keep it for themselves while others never use it they just place it on a shelf lord i know that what you've done for me my basket can't repay but maybe with it you can feed some hungry soul along the way. Lord, here's my basket. It's not much, I know. But take it and use it. Please don't refuse it. our series, You're Not Alone, in which Alan Sonter, for many years a missionary educator in the islands of the South Pacific, tells stories that help us to know that God is always watching over us, wherever we are. This episode is entitled, The Key to Peace of Mind. Our first story today happened in 1952. So is an experience that has encouraged me over the years 
to know that I'm not alone and that God does help when I need Him. I was in my final year of teacher training and it was that time of the year when we students were assigned to schools to undertake several weeks of practical school experience. Excitement mounted as we crowded around the notice board where the list of schools where we were to teach was posted. Soon I was able to get close enough to read the small print. Yes, there was my name, Alan Sonta, and the school was Hamilton. The Hamilton SDA school was in a suburb of Newcastle, New South Wales, and I had never been there before, so the experience promised to be an interesting one. I arrived at the school early on the first day to be met by the jovial headmaster, Oliver Ferris. Oliver was an outgoing, friendly fellow who seemed to know everything about all his students. It wasn't a large school, only four teachers if I remember correctly, but to a wide-eyed youngster like me, it seemed to be really something great, and Oliver Ferris seemed a giant of a man. We hit it off well right from the start, and he assigned me to teach his own class. Of course, I taught only a few lessons at first and spent a good deal of time watching Oliver at work. I marvelled at the way he seemed to have the knack of making things so simple for his students, and he could say just the right thing to ensure that his charges paid attention. They just ate out of his hand, as the saying goes. Well, the first week passed all too quickly, and I was enjoying the experience immensely. I would usually stay at the school as late as possible, preparing lessons for the following day, and would be the first at school in the morning. So one day Oliver suggested that I keep his set of keys so that I could stay as late as I wished and come as early as I wished in the morning. I felt that Oliver was giving me quite a responsibility as I would have to make sure that the school was left properly locked up each evening. I felt happy that he would trust me like that and accepted the offer gratefully. I pocketed the bunch of keys with a determination that his trust in me would be well placed. And so things went well for several days. During the lunch breaks each day, I would go out into the playground and join the students at play. At one end of the playground, there were a few pieces of gym equipment, and I occasionally used this equipment with the older students. One day, I was on the parallel bars, which were a bit old and shaky, and attempted to do a handstand. To my horror, the bars moved apart just enough to send me plummeting to the ground head first. It might well have been the last thing I ever did, but beneath the bars was a thick layer of sand which cushioned my fall, so that I survived with nothing more than a very sore neck. Needless to say, I kept off those bars after that and nursed my neck during the afternoon. After school was out for the day, I busied myself with preparations for the next day's classes while Oliver went to his office to attend to some of his many administrative duties. Before long, most of the students had left and the other teachers left in the late afternoon. Eventually, Oliver put his head through the door and said, Well, I'm going now, Alan. I'll see you in the morning. I acknowledged his greeting and went on with my work. 
hardly noticing the passing of time until I had to switch on the lights. All at once I realised how late it was. So I finished up what I was doing and packed up to leave. As I shut the classroom door, I reached into my right trouser pocket for the key to lock up and was shocked to find the bunch of keys wasn't there. With mounting anxiety, I searched through all my pockets until I was forced to the sickening conclusion that I had lost the headmaster's keys. Here I was, all alone in the school, with no one to turn to, and the keys had simply vanished. I couldn't go home and leave the school unlocked, and it was rapidly becoming dark. What was I to do? Perhaps the worst thing about the situation was that I had no idea where the keys might have gone. And without them, I didn't know how I was going to face Oliver Ferris the next day. An examination of my pocket showed no hole that the keys could have fallen through. I prided myself on the fact that I never lost keys. So not only did I fear that Oliver's faith in me would be shaken, but my faith in myself was damaged too. I'd been brought up a Christian, but until that time I couldn't recall God actually giving me anything I had asked for in prayer. But now I was really desperate, and I turned to God for help with a greater sense of need than I had ever felt before. Lord, I agonised, I really need your help. Please show me where those keys are. Suddenly the thought popped into my mind. Perhaps the keys dropped out of my pocket when I fell off the parallel bars. I'd better go and look there. So off I went across the playground. But then two problems became apparent. One, it was becoming quite dark and I had no torch. And two, there was a thick bed of sand under the bars and the students in their play had been churning it up after I had been there during the lunch break. No matter. I kept on going anyway, and when I reached the bars, I bent down in the semi-darkness and dug my hand into the sand. Imagine my amazement as within a second or two, my fingers closed around the bundle of keys. I hadn't searched around over a large area, but there were the keys, just a few centimetres below the surface. I can hardly describe the sense of relief that came over me followed immediately by a surge of gratitude to God for hearing and answering my prayer in such a remarkable manner. Thank you, Lord, I whispered. Thank you, thank you. Gratefully clutching the keys, I almost flew back over the playground to the school, where I soon had the building locked up, and within a few minutes, I was on my way home, still marvelling at the amazing answer to prayer that I had just experienced. For the first time in my life, I really understood that the key to peace of mind was in knowing that I was not alone and that God was with me, watching over me. About 30 years ago, I was reminded of the experience I have just told you by another which happened at Pacific Adventist College, now Pacific Adventist University, just out of Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea. When faculty members were away over the year-end vacation, they sometimes asked students who were working on campus during the vacation to look after their homes for them. 
On this particular occasion, the chairman of the theology department had gone overseas for a few weeks and left a young Solomon Island education student named Wiki to look after his home. Wiki was working on campus to earn tuition fees and was given the key of the house so he could go in as needed. One day, Wiki came to my office, very agitated. You know, I'm looking after Pastor Tolliver's house while he's away, he began. Well, today I lost his key in the lake. I've looked everywhere, but I can't find it. It was in my pocket while I was cleaning water lilies out of the lake over on the other side of the campus. What can I do? Now I can't get in to look after the house, and what will Pastor Tolliver say when he comes back and finds the key is gone? Poor Wiki appeared so dejected as he looked pleadingly at me. I should explain that we had a problem with a type of wild water lily which multiplied rapidly and covered the surface of our three campus lakes, threatening to choke out the beautiful large water lilies we had planted. So every few months, campus workers would drag the masses of vegetation out of the water and cart it away. Wiki had been doing this work when the key must have fallen from his pocket into the water. As I looked at Wiki's unhappy face, my mind flashed back over the years to that day at the Hamilton School. You surely seem to have a problem, I responded. But don't worry, I'm sure God can help you find the key if you ask him. Let's kneel down right here and ask him to help you find that key. So we knelt down in my office and asked God's help for Wiki's problem. Now don't worry about it anymore, I told Wiki. If God wants you to have that key again, you can be sure that you'll have it. Just leave it with him. In my busy program over the next day or two, the matter of Wiki's lost key was almost forgotten until a knock came on my door. There stood Wiki with a big beaming smile on his face. I found it, he almost shouted in his excitement. I was loading the heap of water lilies into the trailer when I saw something shining in the sun. When I looked closely, I saw that it was the key and here it is, he held up the key. Now in case you think that was no big deal, I should tell you that that lake covers probably a hectare and there were tons of water lily trash heaped around the edges of the lake. On top of that, the key was lost in the water, and the probability of its being caught up in the trash and dragged to shore was very small indeed. But here was the key, dragged ashore and placed right where it would be seen in among the mass of water lily plants. Talk about a needle in a haystack. Finding that would be a piece of cake compared with finding Wiki's key, humanly speaking. That's great, I replied. So God did answer our prayer, and you have your key again. Now when God answers like that, we must remember to thank him. So let's do that now. We knelt there in the office again and thanked God for showing Wiki where the key was. Wiki had learned an important lesson. The key to peace of mind is trusting God. You've been listening to our series, You're Not Alone. Stories told by Alan Sonter that help us to know that God is always watching over us, wherever we are. If you have any comments or questions, 
send an email to radio at 3avinaustralia.org.au or give us a call within Australia on 02 4973 3456. May God bless you and remember, you are not alone. You have been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.